Welcome to those of you who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. It's good to be able to study the Word of God all together. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent is what we call the season of preparation in the church year that sets us up to celebrate the promise of Christmas. And it might seem a little strange to have a whole season just about preparing, but really that's where we are anyway, right? I'm sure many of you are in the middle of your preparation frenzy right now, that maybe Black Friday started you off with Christmas shopping and now it's just gonna be more and more things that start to pop up, get-togethers, work things, church events, family gatherings, school concerts, the end of the semester tests or papers, and then there's the baking and the cooking of, of Christmas cookies or packing for traveling. Tis the season to prepare, right? But I understand not all of those preparations are good ones. I know that some of you are preparing this season to celebrate your first Christmas without a loved one. And some of you feel the sheer amount of preparations that you have to make seem to drain the joy out of the season for you. That the coming of Christmas just seems to multiply your financial or emotional or relational stresses. That as joyful as the season can be, we also can tend to put stresses on ourselves and sometimes on each other this year for things to be perfect in ways that we don't seem to at other times of the year. I myself, I am a planner. So I love making to-do lists and I love checking them off. So I am very pro-plan. But I've also recognized that sometimes in our lives we can have an unhealthy addiction to preparing where our plans can actually create stress for us. Because first we put our perfect plan into place and then we exhaust ourselves trying to get it all done. You know what I'm talking about? One year when my nieces were young, I decided that what I wanted to do was to get both of them a perfect ornament for them so that they could put it on their tree and remember that Christmas. So I took the opportunity and I asked, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? And my niece Carrie immediately answered, I like celebrating Jesus' birthday. And I don't know if that's what she really liked best or if that was just her, my aunt's a pastor answer. But either way, I figured, well, okay, that one's easy. Mental check mark, get a manger scene ornament for Carrie. Done. And meanwhile, my three-year-old niece, Becca, was running laps around the kitchen island. So I caught her on her next pass. And then I asked her, Becca, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? She looked at me. She was quiet for a moment. And then she very thoughtfully answered, um, flamingos. And then she was off running again. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to find a Christmas ornament with a flamingo on it? <laughs> I actually did manage to find one eventually, but it ended up being about one of the most stressful things I could add to my plate. And I was asking myself, why did I do that? Because I know that Christmas is not about finding the perfect flamingo. I really do. But that's the thing about our plans. We can tend to get attached to them. And then when they don't work out the way that we want, it causes us to feel stress or even failure that is entirely of our own making. You see, when we put emphasis on our plans, we can miss that Christmas is never about what we plan. It's about what God has planned for us. 
It's about his enormous love for us that covers over a multitude of our thwarted plans with his eternal plan for our future and for our present right now in his love. The kind of love that first chose to enter into our messy lives in the first place through the coming of our Savior. You see, the kind of preparation that usually dominates our thinking during this season is not the kind of preparation that John the Baptist is calling us to in our text today. Advent preparation is not about us doing something. It's not about us ramping up. It's actually about us slowing down. It's about preparing to receive something, something that we can't do, something that is meant for us to change us. It's about a turnaround of heart that allows us to see what we've been missing, what's coming for us in this season. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, people knew a little something about plans going awry. They had forgotten about God and they had ended up in an exile a long way from home. They had forgotten about what really mattered and by the time they remembered, they couldn't seem to figure out a way back. The mountains seemed far too high and the valleys far too low for them to navigate their own way home. They knew that they needed God's power and they needed God's mercy to help them get home again, not only to their homeland, but also back to the covenant relationship that they had once known with God. And the prophecy we read for today from Isaiah 40 was after a long dark night, like the beginning of that good news, that hope was finally on the way, kind of like that first candle lit in the darkness. Isaiah 40 says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you hear it? Hope is on the way. And the people are called to prepare for it. But it's not their preparations that would make it happen. Hope was only in the imminent arrival of the one who's on the way. And soon the people of God were freed from exile and they made their way home to rebuild in the land that God had given them. But human nature being what it was, it wasn't long before the people started going their own way again. Even though they were physically home in the promised land, their hearts started drifting. They wandered away from God to look for life through other things, stricter Pharisaic laws, Roman politics, Roman power, their own greed. Somehow it was clear that this wasn't how life was supposed to be, that they saw these mountains and valleys standing in their way again, keeping them from seeing their way through. But somehow it seems this time, they seem to think that most of those mountains were external to them. It's not my fault. If only those Romans would get out. If only those people weren't in charge, then things would be the way they should be. But would that really turn their hearts? Would removing those people really help them fulfill their covenant of faithful relationship to God? Here's a hint. The track record wasn't good for that. (laughs) 
They knew that they needed a savior, a Messiah, who was going to come from God to set things right. But most of them had the wrong idea of what that was going to take. The words of the prophets told them that one day God would send a Messiah to renew the covenant that they hadn't been able to keep in a new way, maybe a different way than they planned. It was around the year 430 B.C., that the prophet Malachi recorded God's promise. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And hundreds of years after that prophecy was written, God kept that promise that Jesus, the Lord that the world had been seeking, would come to his temple and he would bring a new covenant made by his own bloodshed for us through his own saving sacrifice for you and me through the cross. And John the Baptist would become the messenger sent by God to prepare the way for him, proclaiming the same prophecy from Isaiah and calling us to, to prepare the way for the Lord. When John came to prepare people for Jesus' arrival, he used that scripture to show them that once again, God was the one coming to save. And our job was to prepare ourselves for what he would do. And for that, John the Baptist used a, a tool, the baptism of repentance. So to repent, it means to stop and to turn around. You can't repent without stopping, <laughs> without first taking time to see what's really happening in you and around you. Preparing the way of the Lord isn't about doing as much as it is about stopping and paying attention to what you can't do, what only he can do. And it's really important to realize that this preparation work of repentance that John the Baptist was calling people to do was not the fix in itself. It was more like the confession that we need fixing. John was calling them to stop and to realize that they need cleansing, they need help. And that baptism of repentance was like a tangible confession of that need. But John was always very careful to make clear that the hope is still always has been, always will be, only in the one who's arriving. That baptism of repentance that John set up was basically a call to wash up for company, to prepare to receive the guest of honor who was coming. And that's different than the baptism we know today. Because in the baptism we know today, it packs its power through entering into the promise of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. That first baptism of repentance that John the Baptist talked about was just about acknowledging that we need a Savior. The baptism that Jesus would bring is about receiving, entering into the truth that that Savior came for us. But those first followers of John the Baptist, they needed that call to prepare for the coming of Jesus because God was going to do something completely new, to begin a new covenant of saving love for all people through Jesus, not through people fulfilling the covenant perfectly, but through what Jesus would do on our behalf. So they needed to prepare their hearts so they don't miss it, what God wanted to do through them. So you might be thinking today, okay, well, that makes sense for them. But Jesus already came to be our Savior 2,000 Christmases ago. So why do we have to prepare now? What does this Advent prepare the way stuff have to do with me? Well, if you think about it a minute, I bet you already know. 
It has something to do with those mountains and valleys that the scriptures were talking about, both in Isaiah and in Luke. Because just like God's people of the past, we too can start to forget that we need God. We can start to put our trust in our own plans and think that we can create everything that we need. And then we can start to get buried in our own plans and our obligations of our got-tos and our need-tos until finally we feel like we've lost our way home. We've lost sight of what is really asked of us, what God really wants for us. If we're not paying attention, life, kind of like a relentless highway, can wear us down. We can develop potholes in our faith. With these intense hot and cold situations, they can make cracks in our trust of God and of one another. And valleys of sorrow can get carved so deep we don't even know where they end. Mountains of bitterness can heave up between us and God. We need this Advent call for us to prepare the way because this is the road construction season of the church. We need to stop long enough to see where we're broken and remember that we are not the ones who can fix us. This is the time of year to start throwing out the construction signs because the kind of preparing that God is asking of us this season isn't about us ramping things up. It's about slowing things down because repairs can't be done if you're busy driving over the potholes. Our preparing is like putting up the hazard cones because we're preparing the way of the Lord. It's not about us fixing things up. It's about preparing for the one who is the way. When Jesus was facing the cross, he told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them. And he told them that they knew the way. And Thomas panicked and blurted out, no, we don't. We don't know where you're going. How could we know the way? And Jesus gently answered him, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, the way home has come to us. He is the one that God sent to take down the mountains that stand in our way. He cuts down the mountains of our guilt with his victory of forgiveness on the cross. He raises up the valleys of our shame and makes them a level plain on which we can walk tall, giving us a new identity as children of the resurrection, children of God with a brand new start. And he has come and he is here for you but we still need these seasons of preparing because it seems like we too go through these different kinds of seasons. We're not always ready to listen or to let go or to let him do what he longs to do in us. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And see, to every heart who wants him, Jesus will come. Because he fought through every storm of sin on the cross. He fought through every mountain and every valley in death and resurrection to reach us. He is the God who comes to us when we cannot come to him. But he won't force us to receive the gifts that he gives. And so his call for us is prepare the way for the Lord. Is your heart prepared to let him in? to do what he wants to do in you? Are you ready to listen for what he's saying to you this Christmas? Because that's what it means to prepare the way for the Lord. So how do you prepare like that? 
I'm sure that you know that how you prepare for something makes all the difference in what you experience in just about anything. Think about when you're trying to learn something. In school, you can spend a whole lot of time writing down notes without ever having listened to a single thing the teacher said, right? A lot of information can go right through your pen into the notes but never hit your mind or never change your heart. But when you spend a minute preparing yourself to learn and to receive, those same words can challenge your thinking and empower your spirit. Because preparation is about where you're intentionally going to put your attention. And what you receive has a lot to do with what you've prepared yourself to receive. In the same way, if you're going to go on a trip, if you prepare by doing some studying before you go and to learn about what it is you're going to see, it can make all the difference between a fine trip and a life-changing one. Even preparing to go and meet with a friend or preparing to meet someone new puts you in a different state of mind when you choose to see those people in front of you with a sense of purpose. How you prepare makes a difference in what you receive. And that's the reason why scripture calls us to prepare the way for the Lord. Because how you prepare to receive someone also says a lot about how much you value them, right? That heart state of preparing is a spiritually different place to be because it takes intentionality and time to know and to confess what's really going on in your heart and being willing to surrender it to what God wants to do with it. And there are a lot of different ways that we can prepare this season. We have here at church an Advent meditation service on Wednesdays of Advent at 11.30 a.m. You can just come and listen to the message of the music and the scripture and prepare your hearts over the lunch hour. You can spend your time in the word at home or to start a journal, a prayer journal, and talk with God about your mountains and your valleys. And opening up our hearts to God in prayer and in worship and meditation, it's kind of like a, using a catcher's mitt for the spirit. Those spiritual disciplines are ways to prepare ourselves to better receive what God is constantly pouring out on us. And when we see and confess those things that have been blocking our view of him, we turn from the mountains and the valleys to look instead to God where our help comes from. We prepare for the Lord who is the way, who wants to do what he wants to do in us. And the arrival of that hope doesn't depend on you. <laughs> it was his choice to be the Lord who comes for you. But will you prepare your heart? Maybe you think that the mountains in your life are too high for him to level. Maybe you feel like the valleys are still too low for him to raise. Are there parts of your heart that are so filled with your own plans for getting over those mountains? Are there things that you feel like you have to accomplish this Christmas to be worthy of that gift of love for you? Then it's time to prepare for the one who is the way. Because the holiday we're preparing to celebrate is about God himself choosing to enter the world in the flesh to meet you and me right where we are. It's about a savior who has loved us more than life. He is the guest of honor. And you don't have to worry when you're preparing for him because he doesn't care about a clean house. He came to a borrowed stable. And he doesn't care about your outfit. He came wrapped in cloths, wrapped and rags of cloth, and all heaven rejoiced. He only cares that in this season, you know that he comes for you. So will you prepare your heart for that truth this season? For in him, every valley shall be filled in, 
every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's God's promise and his work for you. The Apostle Paul said that because of the cross, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what's a mountain compared to that? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We pray that you would help us to see that our hearts can be home with you this Christmas because you moved heaven and earth to come to us. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We ask that you would help us this season to prepare our hearts to better hear your voice, to know you more. Help us to confess those things that are in between us, Lord. Help us to prepare the way for you and us the best we can knowing that no obstacle can ever separate a heart that loves you from your love. So among all of our busyness and all of our preparations this season, Lord, teach us first and foremost that you are the reason for this season, that you come to give us a real home in your love, now and forever. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.